All right, how's everybody doing today? Everybody good? Are you feeling good? All right. Well, I'm thankful to have you with us today. We're in week three of our fall series. It's called Breaking Free. We're studying the book of Galatians. You guys enjoyed that so far? It's been an awesome, awesome study so far. So if you have your Bible or a Bible app, go ahead and open that up to the book of Galatians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be today in Galatians chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible or an app, that's okay. We're going to put the verses up on the screen for you. What we've seen in the last couple weeks is that, is that Christianity, we've seen that the gospel really goes back to Jesus and it has nothing to do with human rules or cultural and religious traditions. And what, what we've been talking about is really what's on our banner. That Christianity is a matter of the heart. Christianity is not a matter of religion. It's a matter of the heart. It is, it is a commitment to Jesus Christ and Him alone. And that supersedes all religion and rules and cultural and religious ideas. See, religion says do. Do this, do this, do this, do this. But the gospel says done. Jesus paid it all. And so we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. So that's what we've been talking about. It's been an awesome study. And not only as we go through Galatians are we seeing the difference between religion and the gospel, which is so important, but we also see that the gospel is the difference between hypocrisy and authenticity. And that's what I want to have a conversation with you about today. I want to have a conversation about how the gospel is the difference between hypocrisy and authenticity. So how do we as Christians, through the gospel, confront hypocrisy in our life? And how do we embrace authenticity? A few years ago, I had an opportunity to volunteer in one of our local elementary schools. And uh, the fourth grade students there were working on batteries and circuits, which some of you are good at that, like batteries, circuits, you know, electricity, wiring things. Um, you know, it's not really a skill of mine. Um, but uh, this fourth grade class, they're preparing for their big science Project And the teacher divided up the class into groups, and each class got a circuit board. They got a battery, and then the circuit board had wires connected to light bulbs and fans. The only problem was the circuit board didn't work. So the teacher told the class, they said, all right, class, you're going to take some time in the next couple of weeks, and we want you to figure out as a group how, these, how to get your circuit board to work. And then you're going to do a big presentation. And for this presentation, we have a very special guest coming in. They didn't really want Brian. I mean, I'm not any sort of expert. They're like, we have a CEO of a toy company coming in to watch your presentation. So the kids were so excited, like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. And so the teacher asked me to be the CEO of this toy company. Can you believe that? So I was like, okay. So I put on a suit, I put on a tie, you know, slick the hair. 
And I walk into the fourth grade classroom, and the kids are like, oh my goodness. And the teacher's like, class, we have a special guest. This is uh, Mr. Roger Hammerstein, who is the president and CEO of a big toy company. Just like, oh my goodness, this is amazing, you know? And so I walk in, I sit down right in the middle of the room, and I'm getting ready to watch these presentations. And a little girl, you know, fourth grade girl, looks up at me, and she's like, are you really? A CEO of a toy company? Well, in my head, I'm like, I'm a pastor, you know? Like, I can't lie. I can't lie to this girl. So I just go, okay, I'm, what do you think? You know, I'm not going to lie. What do you think? She looks at me. She's like, uh-huh. <laughs> well, I've never been the CEO of a major toy company, um, nor will I ever be the CEO of a major toy company. I was actually playing a part and that's really what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is playing a part. And the Bible actually uses a Greek word for hypocrisy. It is the word hypocrites, which means to act or to play a part. So the Greek word for hypocrisy actually is used for an a hypocrite would have been an actor. It's someone who plays a part. And that's really what hypocrisy is, isn't it? It's pretending to be someone that you're not. And that's hypocrisy. It's playing a part. And I don't know if you know this, but hypocrisy is a big problem in the church, isn't it? One of the main reasons that now, many people today, one of the main problems that many people today have with the church is the hypocrisy in the church. And so you'll hear people say, you know, how can Christianity be true if there are so many, what? Hypocrites in the church. You guys have heard that one too, right? So hypocrisy is a big problem in the church, and we all struggle in different ways. But I even think about, you know, some of the stories that have rolled out lately. I think about the, uh, the Catholic leaders, even here in the Philadelphia area, who covered up decades of child sexual abuse. It involved thousand, you know, a thousand children and hundreds of priests. And we look at that and we go, wow, that's, that is some serious hypocrisy, right? That's bad. I, I think about... Um, did you guys see the, uh, the evangelists that were asking for the 50, $54 million luxury airplanes, you know, private jets to fly? Did you guys see that on the news? There are these couple of televangelists, you know, and they're like talking about why they need these $54 million private jets to fly around the world and tell people about Jesus. Um, but there was a line in, in their conversation that, that really, like, got to me. They're talking about commercial flights. And one of the evangelists calls these commercial flights, which, you know, we're all, this is how we fly. But they called the com commercial flights tubes filled with demons. I don't know if you guys caught that. So they're like asking for a plane to tell people around the world about Jesus. And they can't fly commercial flights because, guess what? Those are the people that need Jesus, right? See, it's hypocrisy, and it's gross, and it's disgusting. And, and some of us, it's not just news stories that we've heard, 
But some of us have experienced that hypocrisy on a personal level. And it was very, very painful. And there was someone you looked up to. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a business partner. And they played the part. And they represented one thing, but then they acted very differently. And that can be devastating. It's incredibly painful. And it's a big problem in the church, isn't it? So that's what we want to talk about today. How does, how does the gospel of Jesus confront the hypocrisy in our life? And how does it unleash authenticity? And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're going to love today. Because we're going to confront hypocrisy in the church. And maybe you're here today and you are a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. Okay, so how does the gospel unleash authenticity in your life? That's what I want to talk about today. So we're going to look at Galatians 2, 11 through 21. And we're going to talk about confronting hypocrisy and un unleashing authenticity in the church of Jesus Christ in our own lives. So let's read Galatians 2, 11 through 21 together. It says, when Cephas came to Antioch. Okay, who's this Cephas person? Cephas is Peter. Um, sometimes when you, uh, in the Bible, when someone meets God, it, it so changes their life, sometimes it changes their name. And Jesus changed Cephas' name to Peter, which means rock, which is interesting. So when Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. This is Paul writing. Paul is opposing Peter to his face. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles. Because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Sometimes when we're afraid, we pretend to be someone we're not. And that can happen to us. Peter was afraid. Verse 13. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if... In seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners. Doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. For I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. 
For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Wow, what a powerful passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for today. It's awesome to be here at church. It's awesome to be here to study the Word of God. And um, I pray that you would help us as we go through this passage, Lord. Give us eyes to see areas, even in our own life, where there might be hypocrisy or fear, where we may pretend to be someone we're not. And God, would you, through the gospel and through Jesus, would you unleash something authentic and real in our life? And we ask that in Jesus' name. And Everybody said, amen. Okay, two points today. Two points. First of all, as Christians, as Christians, we confront hypocrisy. We confront hypocrisy. And not in that religious way where it's the religious person. No, when you point at, confront somebody else, you have three fingers pointing back at you, right? Remember that old thing? We confront hypocrisy because hypocrisy is not okay. And what we see in Galatians is we see, we see that Paul sees hypocrisy in Peter, and Paul confronts it. Can you believe that? We've got two heavyweights in the church, the apostle, you know, apostle Peter, apostle Paul, and they're going head to head in this epic pay-per-view fight night showdown. And we get front row seats. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. And here it is. Paul confronts Peter to his face, it says. Confronts him to his face. We confront hypocrisy. Verse 11. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. <coughs> okay, so what's going on here? It says, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles, which is amazing. I don't know if you know about the culture back then, but in Peter's day, a Jewish person would not eat with a Gentile person. And yet Peter was eating with the Gentiles. So you have to go back and read the story of Peter and Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. That's the background for this. Because Cornelius, in Acts chapter 10, invites Peter over to a party with a bunch of Gentiles. And Peter is a Jew. And Jews don't eat with Gentiles. Jews don't party with Gentiles. So what happened? Peter has a vision from God. You got to read it. Acts 10, rise, Peter, kill and eat. What? No, I've never eaten. I've never partied with the Gentiles, God. And God gives him this vision. And so Peter goes, and he eats with Cornelius and the Gentiles, and he preaches the gospel, and the Gentiles are saved through faith in Jesus Christ, just like the Jews. Which, by the way, was all according to God's plan from the very beginning. Why do you think that God put so many laws in the Bible to keep the Jews separate from the Gentiles. Why all those laws, circumcision, food laws, you know, special days, day of atonement, all that. Why keep the Jews separate in the Old Testament? 
Because from the Jews would one day come a Redeemer. And Scott's going to talk about this next week. And that Redeemer is going to bring God's blessing to the entire world. So the blessing of the world depends upon the Jews being distinct and separate. But Christ came, and all that changed, and the blessing's going to the world. And Peter knew that. Peter believed that. Peter had a vision from God. And he began to tell these Gentiles about Jesus. He began to party with the Gentiles. And those Gentiles became his brothers and sisters in Christ. And then what happened? Men show up from James. Who's James? Oh, man, James. That's another heavyweight. Cage match. I don't know. You guys remember that when they... Sorry. Back to... Okay. Certain men show up from James. Who's James? He's the half-brother of Jesus. He's the leader of the church in Jerusalem. This is the city where Jesus died and rose again. He is a heavyweight. We don't know, is James mixed up in this? We don't know if he's misrepresented. Chick told us last week that, you know, all the apostles agreed about the gospel at one time. So we don't exactly know what's going on. Maybe James is warning Peter of persecution coming from this circumcision group. We don't know. What we know is that Peter used to be, eat with the Gentiles, and then some men came from James. And it says, but when they arrived... He began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles. What are you doing, Peter? Because he was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. Have you ever been afraid to stand for Christ? Have you ever been afraid to be who you are? Peter was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. And the other Jews started to Join him in his hypocrisy. So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led, led astray. Peter's afraid. And sometimes because of fear, we play the part. Or we pretend to be someone we're not. We all know what that's like. So Paul shows up and Peter's like, yeah, like, hey, I'm a Jew. I don't eat with Gentiles. And Paul goes, you hypocrite. And he confronts Peter for his hypocrisy. Look what he says. He says, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, that's Peter, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile. Yet you party with the Gentiles and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? What's Paul saying? saying, Peter, I don't get it. Because when you're a Jew, you act one way. And when you're with the Gentiles, you act another way. When you're at church, you act one way. When you're with your golf buddies, you act another way. When you're at youth group, you act one way. When you're at school, you act a different way. And guys, that's hypocrisy. It's playing a part. It's pretending to be someone you're not. And what we want to do is we want to confront the hypocrisy in our life. We want to confront 
hypocrisy because it's not in line with the truth of the gospel and because ultimately it goes back to fear. And fear is not God's plan for us. We're afraid of what people might think of us. And so we play the part, and that's hypocrisy. And you guys, if, if that can happen to Peter, who's the rock, which by the way is a great fighter name, if that can happen to the rock. That can happen to any one of us, right? And uh, I, I was even thinking about my own life and how I've struggled. And um, believe it or not, there was a time where I actually had a hard time telling people that I was a pastor. Now, I know that sounds weird um, because, I, because a pastor is a cool thing, but you have to understand that when you're outside of a church context and you tell someone you're a pastor, like, it gets weird, it gets awkward, they don't know what to say, they're like, oh, you're a pastor. They start like, oh, you know, like they watch their language, and it just gets weird. That's the only way I can explain it. So when somebody say, what do you do? I make something up. I'm a toy designer, you know, nice to meet you, or train conductor. No, not, not like that, but you know, I remember there was one time where somebody said, you know, what do you do, you know, and I... And I did not say youth pastor. And it just it always gets so weird. So I was like, I said, I work with teenagers. Huh? Huh? I work with teenagers. Oh, so what do you do? Well, you know, I help them work through just problems going on in their life, or I help them find their purpose in life. Oh, so you like teach or counsel? Oh, yeah, I teach, counsel, that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, let's go with that. And I actually had a student from my youth group with me. And after that conversation, did you guys, do you know that teenagers are amazing at confronting hypocrisy? <laughs> Have you guys experienced that? Like, a teenager can smell hypocrisy a mile away. And so this student in my youth group goes like, ah, you kind of dodged that pastor thing, didn't you? <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, I did, I did, I dodged it, I'm sorry. Aren't you thankful for the teenagers that God puts in our life? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and you know what? I'm thankful that they called me on that and confronted that hypocrisy. Because it's true, I had been afraid of putting my role and my faith out there. And now, like, I mean, that was a turning point. Now I'm like, I'm so excited to tell someone I'm a pastor. And I actually can't wait to see how they respond. Like, I'm embracing the awkwardness. I'm like, okay, that's interesting, that's interesting. And it's cool to see how God can use that. And it's the same in just letting people know that you are a Christian or a follower of Jesus Christ. It can make it awkward for a second, but God can use that. And it's so cool to see. But God put someone in my life to confront the hypocrisy. And do you know who else confronted hypocrisy? Jesus did. And if you look at the history of the world, no one stood more against hypocrisy than Jesus. So we want to confront hypocrisy in our life. It's not in line with the truth of the gospel. And I just think too often out of fear, we pretend to be someone we're not. We hide the gospel and its work in our life. 
And we, sometimes we even compromise the very beliefs that make us who we are. We don't want to do that. So we confront hypocrisies, especially hypocrisy in our own life. But more than that, we, we actually want to unleash authenticity. And that's what I'm excited about today. I want to unleash authenticity in your life as a follower of Christ. So what's the difference between hypocrisy and authenticity? This is important. Next slide. Hypocrisy is being someone you're not. Hypocrisy is being someone you're not. Authenticity is being humble and bold about who you are. And, and this is something Dom's been talking to me about, this idea of humble and bold. But isn't that true about, think about an authentic person that you know. Aren't they humble? They're not, they're not proud in, in a prideful way. No, they're humble about who they are. But they're also bold about who they are. They're not shy about who they are. They're humble and they're bold. And that's the kind of authenticity that the gospel, the message of Jesus, can unleash in your life. This humbleness and this boldness. And what we see with Peter is that when Peter acted hypocritically, Paul says, you're not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. And it's the same for us. When there's hypocrisy in our life, we're not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. So what does the gospel show us about who we are that can unleash this kind of authenticity in our life? Two things. I think this is what the gospel reveals about ourselves. And this will unleash authenticity. The gospel shows us that we are humble in our salvation. And we want to be humble when it comes to our salvation. But the gospel also shows us that we can be bold in our transformation. That we don't have to shy away from that. But actually, we want to be humble in our salvation and we want to be bold in our transformation. And that's just what I want to show you in the next five minutes here. So first of all, we want to be humble in our salvation. Paul confronts Peter with the truth of the gospel. And, and actually, he lays out the gospel in a very short form. And, and as you read this, it's, it's very humbling. It humbles us. Look at Galatians 2, 15 through 18. There might be some tough stuff here that's just hard to understand, but we'll try to connect it for you. Um, verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. He's saying we're not made right with God because of how good of a person we can be. We're not justified by our works, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So this is a humbling statement. Right? If you want the law to be your approach to God, if you want to be made right with God through your own good works, if you're going to elevate the law and human behavior like that, actually what that's going to do, and, and Paul's saying this, he's saying, Peter, if you elevate the law as your approach to God, that's only going to reveal the depth of the hypocrisy in your life. 
Because you follow the law and you don't follow the law. You follow the law and you don't follow the law. And isn't that our experience as humans, right? We all have hypocrisy in our life. So we can never be saved by our goodness or by our works. And that is the humbling part of the gospel. The law only puts a spotlight on the hypocrisy in our life. Right? We can't even keep our own personal standards sometimes, let alone God's law. And so what Paul says is, in verse 17, he says, If, in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean, that, doesn't that mean Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. So this is humbling because what, what Paul is saying is when I come to Christ, I too find myself among the sinners. I too find myself among people who are authentically flawed. I too find myself in a place where I have to admit my own righteousness cannot save me. Only faith in Jesus Christ can save me. And that's my only hope. And so we're reminded, we're humbled, right? If I think I can get right with God by my own good deeds, that's pride. Whoops. <laughs> and now we're back to humility where it goes, no, no, no. I need Jesus. I need Jesus to save me. I can't do it on my own. So guys, we got to be humble in our salvation. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. We bring nothing to the table really except saying yes to Jesus Christ. So we want to be humble in our salvation. But guess what? We can be bold in our transformation. We can be humble in our salvation, but we want to be bold in our transformation. This is about authenticity, guys. We can be humble and authentic about our struggles and our sin, but we want to be bold when it comes to transformation. And these are the next few verses, which are powerful verses and I'd recommend even memorizing Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.19, Paul says, For through the law, I died to the law, so I might live for God. I might live for God. That's transformation. How does it happen in, in Paul's life, in Peter's life, in my life, in your life? How do we live boldly and unashamedly for Jesus Christ? This is what Paul says. He wants to live for God. How? This is what he says. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Wow, that's powerful stuff. What is Paul saying? He's saying if you want to be bold and authentic and passionate and live for God, Paul is saying you need to know who you are. Do you know who you are? Do you know that your identity is in Jesus Christ? Do you know that your old life is gone? Paul says I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I have a new identity. Do you know who you are? Christ lives in me. He lives in me. He lives in you. And the, so the most authentic thing you can do as a Christian is to let Christ live in you and through you. That's authentic. That's real. So he says, the life I now live, 
at school, at, you know, at church, at home, with my buddies on the golf course, at the workplace. The life I now live is authentic because I'm living by faith in Jesus Christ who gave himself for me and loved me. That's authentic. That's real. That's bold. You got to know who you are. Church, we need to know who we are. So we're humble in our salvation and bold in our transformation. And that unleashes authenticity in our life. And that's not just important for us as adults. But we as parents need to be teaching that to our children and our teenagers. Do our young people know who they are? And that's what I love, you know, about this church. is because we are a church that wants to empower parents to, to be that primary spiritual leader in their home. And so we are partnering with parents to do that very thing. And if you have a teenager, middle schooler, high schooler, get them to youth group. Because they're actually talking about identity right now. So important. Get them to youth group. And what I love about Andrew is, is that he's not only teaching our kids about identity, but he wants to empower us as parents to have conversations with our teenagers about these important topics. And one of the ways he's doing this, he just started this semester, it's super cool. He's putting together these recap videos on YouTube. Just one to two minutes, a quick video. And he's asking that parents and teenagers would watch these videos together. There's a couple of questions at the end. So take the video, watch it, and then ask the questions and have a conversation with your middle schooler or high schooler. This is a powerful way to create transformation in our homes and in our families. So as we close today, I just want to show you one of these recap videos because um, it's super cool. And this, it's just exciting to be a part of a church that wants to empower parents to have these conversations with the kids. So let's hey, roll uh, that Andrew, it's great to be back with you today. So last night we continued our Who Am I series, talking about who we are today. So we talked about this big word again called identity. And we talked about it more specifically about how if we are Christ followers, then our identity should first and foremost be wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. We talked about how the world uh, puts their value, their worth, their identity in things like money or their house or cars, possessions, their family, maybe their husband or their wife. And not that these are all bad things, but we know that if we put our worth or our value in things that will eventually fade away, when those things do fade away, then our identity fades away. But when our identity is wrapped up in Christ, all those things could fade away, but we can stay confident that Christ will always and forever be steadfast and faithful to us. So we talked about two things about living in Christ, and that is that we can live humbly and we can live boldly. First, living humbly, knowing that we have done nothing to be able to save ourselves or to make our relationship with God right again, but it is only through the work that Christ did on the cross, the blood that he shed for us, for our sins, that we can then be adopted into the family of God and move from creation to a child of God. We move from creator-creation relationship to father-son or father-daughter, and that is just so awesome. And then with that, secondly, we can live boldly, knowing that the power of Jesus Christ lives within us in the Holy Spirit, and that our identity is so woven together with him 
that we can call on that power anytime we need to. So I encourage you, I challenge you to live knowing that you are a child of God if you have believed in Christ. So what would it look like practically, day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, to live like a child of God, to truly live believing that you are a child of God and that your identity is in Christ? I hope to see you guys next week as we wrap up our series talking about who we will be. Have a good one. Isn't that awesome? That's great. You can just pull that up on your phone, you know, while you're driving. Maybe don't watch it while you drive, but, you know, have those conversations. Our identity is in Christ. And that's where our authenticity flows from. Would you stand with me as we, uh, we close up? So I was thinking about how, how to end today. We all have hypocrisy in our life. We all have fear. And sometimes that fear can cause us to pretend like someone we're not. And maybe for you today, there's a sin in your life. You know, today maybe we're, we, confront, we confront pornography. Maybe there's brokenness in your marriage. And if somebody looked at you, they would say, oh, that's a perfect couple. But maybe there's more going on. Maybe there's fear today to just stand up and at your workplace and just say, I am a Christian. I don't know what it is. I don't know where that fear is. But today we're making a declaration. And we are saying to the world, no, no, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I choose to be authentic. I choose to be authentic. I choose to be me. I choose to confront the hypocrisy in my life. I'm not going to pretend to be someone I'm not. I'm not going to be afraid of what people think of me. I am going to be myself. I choose to be authentic. And you know what? I'm going to be real with you about my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to hide the gospel's work in my life. I am humble about my salvation, but I'm going to be bold in my transformation. I choose to be me. I choose to be free. I choose to be authentic. Because Christ lives in me. It's all across the room today. I believe that Jesus is setting us free. He's setting us free of fear and hypocrisy and pretending and lies. Because we choose to be authentic. And Christ did not die for nothing. And we do not set aside the grace of God in our life. So God, thank you so much for today. God, we come to you humbly. We come to you authentically. Lord, we all have sin and brokenness in our life. And so we bring that to you. We surrender that to you. We say, God, forgive us for our sin. And thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you that he died on the cross for our sins. Thank you that Jesus lives in us. So God, free us from hypocrisy and unleash an authenticity in our life. We pray for boldness in our transformation. And we ask that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come on.
Come on, church, let's worship him today.